Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. A note of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast, bringing you this week's latest in high-profile and under-the-radar cases across the country for the week of April 26, 2019. I'm Billy Jensen, and this is Owen Michael. Hello. This week, a homeless man takes up residence in his ex-girlfriend's attic in Pittsburgh. A social media influencer resorts to violent means to build his brand. A 47-year-old Long Island man is accused... Wow, I'm almost a 47-year-old Long Island man, but this is not me. A 47-year-old Long Island man is accused of running a prostitution ring out of his parents' basement. My parents sold their house, so this wouldn't be me. I also saw the photo, so you and And a local hero in Cleveland is found dead. But first... The search for a missing five-year-old boy in Illinois is over, That's and it's right. heartbreaking. That's right. Uh, you may have heard a little bit about this. This is uh, developing this week. Uh, the search for a missing five-year-old boy in northern Illinois ended Wednesday when authorities found his body wrapped in plastic in a shallow grave uh, in a remote area about 50 miles northwest of Chicago. Andrew A.J. Friend was reported missing last week on Thursday, April 18th. The boy's father called 911 to report A.J. was missing. Both parents said they had last seen the boy at bedtime about 9 p.m. the night before Thursday morning. They said they were unable to locate A.J. in the home, and they called police. Uh, Police never issued an amber alert in the case. By Friday, police said there was no indication that A.J. had been abducted. They were uh, focusing the investigation on the home. They had searched about 1,000 acres of land and scanned the waters of Crystal Lake. Uh, Police said canine units only picked up A.J. scent inside the home and nowhere else. Crystal Lake Police, McHenry County Sheriff's Investigators, and the FBI were involved in A.J.'s search. Yeah, whenever you have the canine units coming in, they're good at... uh you know, we've seen canine units with the Maura Murray case, and they, 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 those were cadaver canine units, and mm-hmm. they were trying to search for somebody that uh, – dead remains from, you know, 20 years ago. This is different. They were searching for a live person. And the canine said, he's not anywhere outside. Mm-hmm. He's standing here. So really right from the very beginning. And I was um, uh, a little closer to this investigation. I was talking to some people um, that were on the scene there, and they were, it, was, it was all about that. It was all about the parents. Yeah, and you have to. I, I was trying to think of the the mechanics of it, but if it's a five year old boy, and if uh, you know, allegedly the, the kid was carried out, yeah. that wouldn't be uh, necessarily trackable. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that seems to be what the case was. So, police have been interviewing both parents since AJ was reported missing, and police say information from both parents led to the discovery of the boy. AJ Friend's father is identified as Andrew Friend Senior, sixty years old. 
He's a divorce attorney and represented AJ's mother, 36-year-old Joanne Cunningham, in a divorce case in 2002. Mm-hmm. AJ's parents never married. They have a second son younger than AJ, who is five, and who was placed in protective custody once AJ went missing. And the couple were reportedly living together with the children at the residence, though they were no longer romantically involved. Joanne Cunningham is currently seven months pregnant. Andrew Friend Sr. is reportedly not the father of his next child, of this next child. That's right. That's right. Um, Some complicated uh, family relations going on there. Uh, Authorities said that both parents provided information leading to the discovery of AJ's body Wednesday, only after they were confronted with forensic evidence in the case. Uh, AJ was found about seven miles from the home on farm property in Woodstock, Illinois. Earlier in the week, police were seen removing items from the house, including a shovel, a mattress, two lawn bags, and a large bin. Police said uh, forensic analysis of cell phone data led to the further questions that uh, led to the parents uh, admitting this Tuesday night, which then led to Wednesday morning successful search for the boys' remains. Yeah, and that's why they were – as soon as they they announced that they had found the body and the the body being so far away Mm – you knew that they either had video of the car uh, heading towards that scene and right around that scene, or it was cell phone pings. And what they were probably able to do, and this is all speculation, is they had the cell phone pings. They said, we know you had stopped at Crystal Lake for this amount of time, and uh, the body was found there. So you have to cough it up, and they eventually did. The That area, I, I'm fairly familiar with that area, and I'm fairly certain that there would not be any cameras beyond mm-hmm. uh, sort of the, the main little downtown area. Right. Uh, other than that, it's just, it's residential, and then it gets out into the sort yeah. of farmland and fields and things like that. So, uh, I wonder, though, the guy's an attorney, <laughs> if you're trying to kind of cover this thing up, I mean, it's pure speculation, but it seems that uh, the reporting and the police have gone out of their way to say that this is cell phone data that, uh, yeah. that did this, so this is pinging or, or what have you. Uh, a criminal complaint uh, filed in the case alleges that Andrew Friend Sr., the boy's uh, father, he was the one that buried the boy's body. Thursday, yesterday, the McHenry County coroner confirmed the identity of the boy found is uh, is AJ. They released the cause of his death, which is craniocerebral trauma as a result of multiple blunt force injuries. In other words, he was beaten to death. Yeah. In court on Thursday, uh, prosecutors alleged that five-year-old A.J. had been forced to take a cold shower for an extended time and was repeatedly struck, leading to his death. So this is where the rubber is going to start hitting the road, Uh, because as details of the story have emerged, we learned the home where A.J. lived had been visited in the the past by family services. So officers said they encountered a house in poor condition with broken windows and the presence of urine and feces throughout, including in the boys' room, which he shared with his brother. One report noted the smell of feces was, quote, overwhelming. At least one neighbor had previously reported the family because the house was without power. Mm -hmm. So the Department of Children and Family Services and Crystal Lake Police said there were multiple, multiple reports of abuse, neglect, and drug use in the home. Police had responded to the residents 17 times in five years for reports of abuse and drug use, according to ABC7 in Chicago. A police officer had last visited the house in December. And uh, in response to a complaint about stolen medication, AJ was born with opiates in his system in 2013. DCFS said the agency has been involved with the boy's family on and off through the end of 2018. In December 2018 investigation, DCFS had ruled that allegations of abuse and neglect were unfounded. 
This is, uh, I've already seen some headlines this morning that uh, haven't included, but uh, there's some people that are sort of on the chopping block as far as this investigation. Obviously, yeah. there's there's some signs, and we've talked about this before here in L.A. and, and other spots that uh, these agencies are sort of, it's overwhelmed, as well as, you know, yeah. sometimes it's, these are it's, tough to, I can't tough think of a worse job in the world than that, mm-hmm. because you can't win. It's thankless. Because you're, you're going in, the parents are going to be upset at you. Uh, the kid, the, the kid, even though he's he's being abused, probably doesn't want to leave his parents. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. Um, but this is us as a civilized society. We got to step in and do this stuff. Yeah, it's you know you want the natural order of things, or you want families to stay together. But uh, uh, as we see too often, that uh, can lead to tragic consequences, uh, and it looks like that's what's happened here. Uh, Tuesday morning of this week, before AJ had been found, uh, his mother was in court to contest the guardian of the other son. Uh, the other son was removed from the home right. during this uh, search. Uh, she contested the the guardian because of a conflict of interest that was not disclosed in open court. So there's a little drama there as well. The previous day before that, on Monday, Crystal Lake police were reportedly frustrated with the lack of progress in the boy's disappearance. They're saying that Joanne Cunningham, uh, quotes, continues to be uncooperative with police. Cunningham had hired a defense attorney last week because she felt the police considered her a suspect. That attorney is quoted as saying Ms. Cunningham had nothing to do with the disappearance. That's what he told reporters last week. This week, she's reportedly being represented by a public defender. Uh, on Saturday, Andrew Friend Sr. had told reporters outside the police station uh, that two days since his son had gone missing had been hell on earth. He's quoted as saying, anybody that's out there that's inclined to pray, please pray for the return of my son safely, he said. He had been taken to the police station in the backseat of a police car that Saturday without handcuffs and said he planned to walk home, is what he told reporters outside yeah. the station. So I imagine it was hell on earth because that's he will be hell in hell at some point. Yes, indeed. So both parents are charged with five counts of first degree murder, aggravated battery and failure to report a missing child or death. AJ's father, Andrew Sr., is also charged with concealing a homicide. And I noticed that, you know, they have failure to report a missing child or death. But then once they did report it and it started, did they will will they potentially get charged for filing a false report if they if it if it was you know mm-hmm. what I mean once mm-hmm. once it did once it did start that's so a legal question that's another thing as well you, just tossing that you'd want to you'd want to stack as much stuff as you can yeah. I suppose in a, in a yeah. case like this and it seems like they're still going to be uh, so both parents they're held on five million dollars bond each I have a feeling they're not going to be able to reach that they are both being represented by public defenders again another very thankless job the public defender. Mm-hmm. The parents are scheduled to be arraigned on Monday, the 29th. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, our next uh, story is out of Pittsburgh. Police in Pittsburgh received multiple calls about a woman screaming in the street. Responding officers found a woman outside a residence who told them a man was in her house. Police found 31-year-old Carrie Kokuzzi hiding under a pile of clothing in this woman's house. It was the woman's ex-boyfriend, of course, against whom she had gotten a restraining order that was just finalized on March 25th. Kokuzzi told officers he had been sleeping in the woman's attic for about two weeks. He was, quote, tired of being homeless and wanted a place to stay, he said. The woman, who understandably doesn't want to be identified, believes he had been staying there for longer than that. For at least three weeks, she had been noticing odd things out of place around the house. Creepy. She noticed a toilet seat had been left up, which that's always a, a biggie. 
She lives in the house with her two daughters and no males had been over. She noticed a blanket had turned up out of place on the floor in a corner of the basement where they never went. On Saturday around noon, while she was cleaning her kitchen, she heard a noise upstairs. Her daughters were not home. She went to investigate. And this is one story that really creeped everybody out on this. Yeah, and I, it's, a, it's a total horror story, and I can see uh, this is sort of out of a movie, but uh, especially the toilet seat being up, you know, that's, uh, that's, yeah. that's a that's a, that's a No, you, yeah, those little things, and then she... Yeah, she goes upstairs. So upstairs, uh, she went to investigate the, this this bumping around that she had heard. Uh, Carrie Kukuzzi jumped out from behind her bedroom door, scaring the heck out of her, grabbed her, covering her mouth. Get over here, he reportedly told her. She fought back. Uh, she broke free. She ran downstairs. He sort of chased after her. Then she ran outside screaming. That's when uh, six neighbors called 911. Police say Kokuzzi did not have a key to the house, but he had been staying in the attic for weeks after he discovered a way to get in through a side door to the house. Uh, there's some reporting that uh, it was unlocked. That's how he had been do- doing it. The details of the protection from abuse of, uh, excuse me, the details of the protection from abuse order have not been released, but Kokuzzi was prohibited from having any contact with the woman or her two daughters. Yeah. The woman said that for weeks she had a strange feeling someone else was in the house but didn't want to report it for fear of seeming foolish or paranoid. Always report it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She said she did fear it was Kakuzi. I had an intuition about it, but I ignored it. She told WPXI-TV in Pittsburgh, I should have trusted my instincts because I was right. Always trust your instincts. Yeah, and it's exactly what she thought it was, and, yeah. and that's yeah. that's one of those. Better safe than sorry. Yep. Why not? I'll, why not? Kakuzi was being held in Allegheny County Jail ahead of a May 2nd hearing in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, that's a can you imagine? Uh, you know, th- hearing things bump in the night, and then it's actually a person, and not, not, not a ghost, but actually your ex-boyfriend, and yeah. who's been homeless as well. He sounds like an yeah. unstable fellow. So, you know, a lot, we're going to go to Iowa now with this um, interesting story. Social media influencers—they're mm-hmm. big. They're influencers. I know you're on social media. You have the Twitter account. I have no influence. He really has no influence. influence over me, except for me. When you tag me in things. And then I it's true. It. I mean, we have influence through uh, truecrimedaily.com on, uh, on, on Twitter and, and, and Facebook, Facebook and, yeah. uh, and, and, we, we and YouTube, influence. of course. But uh, personally, but I we, have no influence. But we earned that. It's true. We didn't do anything nefarious. Those are all We report organic. on the nefarious. We report on the nefarious, but we got, you know, two million followers because we were... Solid. You know, we were solid and we were reporting on um, issues of justice. Now, this guy... In Iowa, mm-hmm. a man named Rossi Lorathio Adams, the second. Yes. And by the way, you can't be the second legally. You can only be a junior. I thought it was uh, if you're the father of, I mean, if you're the son of junior. So there's senior, junior, then the second. No, that'd be the, the third. third. Now you'd be the third then. Well, then this is. This uh, is he's making this up because my dad tried to name me. Are. My dad tried to name me the second because I'm William Robert Jensen Jr. And they told him no. Uh, your middle name is Chauncey, though, right? No, that's funny. Anyway. Uh, okay, so he took ahead. his quest for an online empire a little bit too far. The 26-year-old Rossi Adams started a social media company in 2015 called State Snaps while he was a student at Iowa State University. Go State. Do It for State became the slogan and rallying cry of the site and its followers. I once played a hockey game at the uh, for when I was playing for the University of Kansas at Iowa State University. Ames. I believe we lost seventeen to zero. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah. Ames is a great uh, college town. Great, if you're it in was the a area, little bit of a party town. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
The online presence bills itself as the authority on partying, college life, and having fun. What's and, the authority on partying, college life? I need the authority yeah. on it. Well, you would go, you would go to Snape Snaps and and shows videos of stunts and basic drunken college party debauchery, kind of like Jackass meets Girls Gone Wild. How's its appeal? Doltforstate.com features a bulletin board. Do it, it forstate.com. Excuse <laughs> me. Do it for state.com features a it might as well be doltforstate.com. Yeah, right, at this point. Feature, I don't want to drive any traffic to him. Features a bulletin board for club and party events held in different college towns across the country, as well as a shop for shirts and hats because everybody's got to sell merch with party themes. It has a subscription-based entry with videos behind a paywall. They're on Snapchat, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter. Adams had more than a million followers combined on his social media accounts, and he had sort of established this brand. Indeed. The main website is uh, doitnumeral4state.com. Just do it for state with the, with the, with the number four in the URL. Court records show that uh, Rossi Adams had repeatedly tried to obtain the domain name doitforstate.com with the four spelled out. Yeah. Uh, he wanted to kind of cover both bases and, and how are you going to spell it. Uh, he'd been repeatedly trying to get the, the donate domain name between 2015 and 2017. The owner of that domain name repeatedly refused to sell it, turned him down multiple times. Rossi Larathio Adams was frustrated by this. He allegedly threatened a friend of the, uh, the owner of the domain name. Uh, with gun emojis uh, on this phone, according to court records. The friend had apparently used uh, the Do It For State with the FOR for promoting a concerts. Uh, it's unclear, but he looks like he was maybe piggybacking on the network and the name association that uh, Adams had built. Um, so he received threats, you know, gun emojis, if you get that from a stranger or somebody yeah. who's uh, uh, an adversary. And remember, the, the, only, like the gun emoji on the, in the emoji thing is usually that green gun that's supposed to look like... A squirt gun or a something? Squirt gun. I guess I've never used that, but, yeah. uh, you know... I've I'm never used the, it either, I'm, but I'm I see it. Yeah. Emoji guy. Unless you did something custom, it is that squirt gun, which shouldn't even be there, but, yeah. Yeah, right. So uh, in June 2017, Rossi Adams convinced his cousin to help him get that domain. I wanted to take it to the le- next level. He convinced him to get that domain by force. Adams figured out where the domain name owner lived through GoDaddy.com records, mm-hmm. which is uh, unfortunate. Adams' cousin, Sherman Hopkins Jr., drove to Cedar Rapids and broke into the unnamed domain owner's home. The cousin, Hopkins, had a stolen gun with a taser and a taser with him. He was wearing pantyhose on his head and a hat and dark sunglasses over his eyes. You don't want to be recognized if you're going to do this, you know. Like, Hopkins uh, also had a demand note for the owner with instructions for transferring the domain name to Rossi Adams. Let me just tell you this. I've run into situations where I've tried to get domains and people are just sitting on them. It's mm-hmm. frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've purchased domain names before. My, my production company is called Bench Clearing Productions. I bought BenchClearing.com from somebody that was sitting on it for like $800. Oh. I did not resort to this. Do you wish that you had... This is insane. Well, I shouldn't say you wouldn't wish it, but uh, if you had had a chance to sort of uh, talk to this person directly, did you did you have... Uh, oh, I talked uh, to the person directly, yeah. And, and he was just like, I was like, come on, you know, cut me a break, whatever. I'm 800 trying to bucks. Do good. Well, so Hopkins reportedly entered business. the victim's home, grabbed the man's arm, and forced him to log on. Hopkins put the gun to the victim's head. This is an absurd scene. And ordered him to follow the written instructions. Hopkins repeatedly pistol whipped the victim in the head, according to court records. Court records say the victim, fearing for his life, quickly turned to move the gun away from his head. The victim then managed to gain control of the gun. During the struggle, the victim was shot in the leg, but the victim then shot Hopkins multiple times in the chest. Then he called police. Hopkins survived. He got 20 years in prison last year for the incident. That's... uh... 
that's a, that's a that's a embarrassing. Last week, uh, a jury found uh, Rossi Larathio Adams II guilty of hiring his cousin to break into the house and threaten the domain name owner, specifically uh, conspiracy to interfere with commerce by force, threats, and violence. That's a no-no. Adams, who is 26, remains in custody as he waits to be sentenced. He could get 20 years and a $250,000 fine. It's not worth it. Incidentally, Iowa State University's objections to the site and its online activities, promotions, and content, as well as his apparent violations of terms and service of platforms, was used against Adams in, yeah. in, in his trial. So, yeah, I would also like to look up who had the rules. who had which domain name first. If he had do it for state, and he was dumb enough to put the four in there because nobody will ever type that in, did the other person just see it and say, "I'm going to latch on to that and, and do the FOR"? Because he should have bought both. Or did, well, you're right. Uh, or did he, you know, not do the, the, the numeral until he was frustrated by getting the FOR? You, yeah. uh, you also recall that, uh, you know, uh, us being a certain age, that there was a glut in the early 2000s where uh, entire people and corporations and things were going in and just buying yeah. every single publication oh, yeah. of, of and uh, Yeah, URL. but you know what you do? If, they, if somebody already had the domain name, you change the name of your company. You don't sure, name of it course. that. Of course. Um, yeah, you don't want... And it sounds like they had already sort of used his name against him to mm-hmm. promote their own concerts. By the way, have you ever encountered uh, somebody who just won't respond? Did you... Oh, like when you were yeah. doing the thing? Like, that's got to be frustrating. Like, it is, but even, you know what? You, you just don't... Person. You don't... You don't... Uh, you just move on. There's other names out there. Oh, I if get If there that. was another True Crime Daily, we would not be called True Crime Daily. I, I, I Bob agree. Bob Mueller would have said... You're not going to be called True Crime Daily. You're going to be called something else, and then he would have made it happen. What would it be called? I don't know. I don't know either. But, we don't have, uh, but we don't have to. We don't have to pistol whip anybody. This is a this is a plus. This is this is a good thing. Um, I I wonder should there be a thing like if you sat on this domain name for you know ten years and haven't listen, done anything I, and I haven't do been... I do not like domain name squatters. I don't like that. You saw that a lot right in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of the VJs actually bought MTV.com and then MTV was just like, wait a minute, we need that back. Uh-huh. Um, McDonald's, I think, was squatted on. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a thing. Like I, if I was, was a smarter a or a wealthier I, yes. man in the early two thousands and I saw that trend, I would have gotten in on if it. If you had as a time well. machine, that's what you would have done. You wouldn't have bet on. Sports I wanted. Like I wanted. Him. Well, we can't go back in time, but I wanted. To do that back then, but uh, of course I Thank was a you. broke college student. <laughs> Thank at that you for time. telling me that you can't go back in time. That's good, uh, and the listeners for telling them that they well, can't go back in time. Uh, Long Island, a 47-year-old Long Island man. I am a 46-year-old Long Island man. Was arraigned in court Thursday, accused of running a prostitution ring out of his parents' basement for four years. Suffolk County prosecutors say Raymond Rodeo, the third. Now, that's okay. You can be the third there. Use social media to entice women, get them hooked on heroin and crack, then force them to have sex with men in in the home as well as nearby motels. Prosecutors say Rodeo kept some of the women locked up in the basement, calling it a dungeon. There is no bathroom in the basement of the house. The women were forced to use a bucket, according to authorities. Rodeo allegedly did this to 22 women over four years. Parents didn't know, though. The district attorney says the parents may have known something was going on, mm. but may have not known there was a full-blown prostitution ring going on, and the parents have not been charged. So you're a 47-year-old man living in your parents' basement in Long Island? I mean, look, the economy's been good. Uh, yeah. Jobs are, are available. There's but, jo- uh, there, this, 
freaking guy. They, this guy needs to man go away and, forever. Uh, yes, the entire operation came to light. Uh, this is a good thing, and uh, uh, props to police on Long Island. Uh, a traffic stop last, last August, uh, Rodeo was uh, pulled over. Police officers determined that a passenger in the car with him appeared to be a human trafficking victim. Mm-hmm. Authorities say uh, Rodeo gave the women free drugs to develop dependency. He is also reportedly addicted to crack cocaine himself. Uh, this is a common tactic, of course. Uh, Rodeo advertised the women on Craigslist and Backpage.com. He would take the money the women made to buy more drugs for himself and for them uh, to kind of keep them strung out, strung along, yeah. according to the DA. Rodeo is currently held on $2 million bond for sex trafficking and promoting prostitution. The New York Post and WPIX both uh, sort of had pieces yesterday about how they visited the home. Uh, the dad was adamant that the son couldn't have been doing this. It was kind of a small mm-hmm. space. and But uh, the Post ran a photo of it, and it's, this, uh, I believe the word is skeevy. Yeah. Uh, there's a leopard print uh, on, uh-huh. on the wall behind it. Uh, there's a bed. There's a, kind yeah. of a, a, and, a grotto and area. As far as the, the headlines that you see there, it's not a prostitution ring. He had— That's, a, I, that's, that's, that's accurate. Yeah. yeah. He, He's an he, independent. Guy here. No, th- this is this is not a prostitution ring. This is not you know Heidi Fleiss ran a prostitution right, ring. Right, that's what this guy ran a um, drug dependency, a, a situation. drug dependent situation. Really, um, you know, bordering on kidnapping, yeah. um, exploitation, and, and exploitation and human trafficking in yeah. the very worst sense. of These the word. are not sex workers no, who are no, choosing no. to be no. uh, to, to or however much choice is involved here. But uh, yeah, this is strictly drugs and yes, uh, this is a, a bad person in Long Island. Uh, good for the cops for for discovering that yeah. one. Um, go ahead with no, that. No, and good so. for the, for uh, on the stop and noticing, you know, and the traffic stop. They, That's why these traffic stops are important. They've you know? said, uh, you know, Long Island has uh, launched recently a, a, a trafficking task force, and all, a lot mm-hmm. of the departments on the island have uh, been trained in how to spot these things and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, it's no, it's, uh, it's a good direction for all departments across the country. So we're going to go to Rick Adams in Ohio. He's a 20-year-old Cleveland man credited with stopping a sexual assault by attacking the attacker, and he died this week, apparently, of a drug overdose. He was arrested last month after assaulting a 17-year-old and then posting a video of the incident to Facebook. Quote, I saw a 17-year-old molesting a 5-year-old. I wanted to help the young boy, and that was all I was thinking about, was getting it stopped, Adams told Fox 8 in Cleveland. Adams pled guilty to misdemeanor assault in the case after prosecutors downgraded the charge from felony assault. The 17-year-old suspect had been charged with rape and is currently being held awaiting trial. Prosecutors are seeking to try him as an adult. Adams said he walked into the laundry room of his house and witnessed the child being molested. It's unclear any of the relations in this case with the minors not being identified. And, uh, you know, this is you got to wonder what happened here Uh, With, with 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 how he, you know, dying from a drug overdose after this because he was a hero. Yeah, and and the community embraced the heck out of him, and there was a huge, you know, on our on our social comments, uh, everybody was supporting it. You know, how could you even uh, how could you even charge this guy? He's a hero. He did the, the right thing. Everybody agrees. Even the law enforcement uh, came out and they said, you know, look, we don't get to sort of choose. You know, the guy did beat up. He assaulted this person, and then he posted this on Facebook. So, uh, you know, we're not crazy about it, but we had to arrest him, obviously, and, and nobody's above the law. They did downgrade his charges, but uh, apparently uh, he was pretty stressed out about it. Uh, Rick Adams said uh, in the incident, he pushed the teen off the boy. He screamed for somebody else in the house to call police. Then he began assaulting the 17-year-old. 
Uh, then he allegedly recorded a video in which he's demanding the bloodied, roughed-up teen uh, tell people what he did, confess, uh, and then he wow. posted it on yeah. Facebook. That video has since been taken down. can't find it, but uh, Adams previously uh, told various uh, news outlets he's about to be a father. Hmm. Uh, his girlfriend's pregnant. Uh, he was afraid of going to prison. He was afraid this was ruining his life. On Monday this week, East Lake police officers... Uh, responded to a report of an overdose at a home in East Lake, which is a Cleveland metro area, just east of Cleveland downtown. They found Rick Adams in a bed without a pulse. A police report says a white powder substance and a broken piece of an off-white colored pill was found nearby. His death is still under investigation. Hmm. Very sad. Man. Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder whether people were giving him money for being a hero and stuff and he might have been able to use that that was the first thing that came I to my mind I believe that there was a gun, GoFundMe that his dad had set up to help him pay for his legal bills right. uh, you, you, there may be something uh, obviously with uh, with his funeral costs but uh, yeah it's a it's it's a tragic result of, yeah. uh, of the right thing to yeah, do yeah well he did yeah. the right thing exactly you know so all right Bill, let's go to comments. Uh, what, we are going to go to comments. comments. We have? You know what? We get more comments than anybody else. Why is that? True, because we have the largest true crime Facebook page, True Crime Daily, on Facebook. So a New North Carolina woman was arrested in front of her daughter on Frontier Airlines flight after complaining about vomit on the seat. And the flight attendants wouldn't clean it up. Rosetta Swiney said boarding the flight was already delayed so the staff could clean up the plane. But her daughter's seat was not clean. So when they got on board and she told WTVD, the airline never reassigned her seats or even cleaned them and said, quote, I don't know if she got offensive about it, but she turned around to me and said, that's not my job. And she's like, if it wasn't her job, why wasn't it attended to? After confronting the flight attendant again, the 53-year-old woman was taken off the plane and put in jail. Her daughter was placed in protective custody. This did not sit well with our listeners and viewers. Here is what... M. Miller said, why didn't other passengers revolt? I'm not cleaning up vomit to sit in a seat I paid for. Passengers that, unite. That We're flight attendant needs to be fired immediately. That poor child had to see that injustice. The, uh, you know, um, Francis L. stated that the fact that they didn't clean up bodily fluids and allowed someone to sit in it and possibly be exposed to something that could cause that child health issues. Well, that's a big, fat, easy lawsuit. A lot of people bringing out the sue, sue this, sue the airline, all that stuff. Do we need to jail her? No. Uh, Sierra T said, this story seems pretty basic. Mom says, you didn't clean my daughter's seat. Flight attendant says, that's it. You're going to jail and your child is going to CPS. Um, What? Yeah, that's uh, well. It's, as we've as we've discussed before, this is a, a stressful situation flying, mm-hmm. f- professionally flying, especially over the last uh, ten fifteen years. Yeah, um, but that seems a little bit of an overreaction. Um, of course, we weren't there, so we don't know how shrill, perhaps, that the uh, the, the mother was in this situation. We, we don't want to use the word but, shrill. But uh, but but you know what, uh, Kathy? Look, I will get shrill on a plane. This is not. It has nothing to do with. Uh, you get shrill. You get shrill in business situations. Exactly. So. You know. I mean, like if yeah. somebody, if there's vomit on my chair in the boardroom, I want somebody to take care of it. I don't want to be poo pooed well, and thrown in jail. A Kathy S uh, came to the defense of the flight attendant, saying because she was rude, angry in her face on a tiny space by probably the and was probably the tenth screamer of the day. BS. Flyers, knock it off. Nobody enjoys how horrible flying is now. And um, so she was... You know, you, you throw her off the plane, but I don't know about putting her in jail and separating the child. Yeah. But, uh, you, know, no, you, can't, you can't act up on a plane. No, that's you know, true, too. You, you, know, can't, you can't act up on a plane. Have a Bloody Mary and a Xanax. 
Yeah, and then you, you suck it up, you clean it up, and then you then you write a very strongly worded Yelp review. Um, but you can't, you know, there's there's a lot of other things to worry about with a plane. I'm I, I always give everyone the benefit of the doubt whenever I'm on a plane. Boy, you know, and when you when you hear some kind of commotion or when you hear kind of stuff like that, it makes everybody nervous. Yes. It always makes me uncomfortable, and you have to deal with that. Yep. Uh, just you know, go along to get along here. Uh, go along to get along. I think that might be our new tagline. So, do you, do you is that the only comment of all the spectacular stuff we had this week? Yeah. Well, what do you want? I, I want more comments. Right. I mean, the, the viewers uh, I, I and the listeners, like, we need you okay. to, we need you to, to, to they, they send have in comments, some comments. Yes, but you know what? What we would like to do is, if you have comments and questions about any of the stories, call us up and leave a message at eight 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 five four eight nine seven five eight because we want to hear from you. We want to hear this in your voice. The advisor recording may be used on the air in any future podcast. So remember, that's 888-548-9758. And check out our content on our YouTube and Facebook and TrueCrimeDaily.com pages. Don't forget to download our weekly podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And until this week, until next week, actually. Next week's fine. This is True Crime Daily, the podcast reminding you. Don't do crimes. See you next week.